Good morning, and welcome to A Minister, a Priest, and a Rabbi Walk Into a Radio Station. I'm Pandora Carlucci, and I'm joined this morning with my co-host, Jay Horrigan. Good morning, Jay. How are you doing on this very sunny day? I am doing great, Pandora. It's been, this week has been fantastic. We've had a couple of days where if you're in your car, you can actually roll the windows down, uh, can go back outside for walks. It it seems like things are, are just getting brighter every day. As you said, it's a bright day out. So I'm doing fantastic, and I get to hang out for the next little while with you and our talent that we're so lucky to have. Uh, I, I just i am very thankful for that. I agree with you, Jay. And I think as we walk about the neighborhood or run a quick errand here and there, you do see more smiles and a little more happiness among everyone you meet. And we are joined by our talent, our leaders of our faith-based discussion, Rabbi Tom Alpert, Reverend Kathy McAdams, and Reverend Eric Cherry. And As is our practice, we always start with a brief introduction and a kind of an update on what's happening um, at each house of worship. Uh, And so um, I would like to begin this morning with Rabbi Tom Albert. He is our guiding light for this particular episode. (laughs) And so I I say good morning, Rabbi Tom, and how are you? Good morning, Pandora. I'm rarely been called a guiding light, but thank you. Um, I'm well, I'm well, thank you. Um, You know, it is, we're recording this on a Wednesday and the uh, forecasts are that uh, tomorrow the temperature is going to go up to the mid sixties. So I, you know, that's not so terrible. Uh, A congregation is uh, doing well. Uh, People are, uh, seem to be taking things in stride. We've been uh, doing some programs for congregants on uh, coping with the pandemic. We got a wonderful grant from the Ruderman Synagogue Inclusion Project, which is uh, an organization that helps uh, synagogues uh, deal with inclusion of folks with disabilities, mental health issues, and so forth. And they just gave grants to congregations to bring in uh, people to help us cope with the complexities of living in COVID time. So that's been wonderful and has been very helpful. We have one coming up for parents in a couple of weeks. We have um, a bit of sad news in our congregation. Our longtime um, temple administrator, Adrian Castro, is uh, retiring after 15 years in the position. And she has uh, been so instrumental to the synagogue and uh, to me personally, that uh, I have just decided that like the Israelites in Egypt, I'm going to actually be in denial, but uh, <laughs> she will be leaving in a couple of weeks and uh, we're going to miss her. But otherwise, the congregation is well and people are starting to get vaccinated and I'm hearing that more and more. So that's encouraging, starting to raise questions about what we'll be doing next fall, which were are still questions. I think those are great questions because it, it, they encourage us to look forward, and we're, we're looking at new pathways that we haven't looked at for the past 12 months, and uh, it, it's exciting because we have new knowledge as well that we've gained during these past 12 months as to how we, how we do things, and um, I am sorry that you're losing a member of your congregation after such a long time. That's always hard for us when... Uh, someone is such an, an intricate part of an initiative or a part of our lives, and then things change. Yes. Yeah, she's been great, and uh, and we're going to miss her, but uh, but we will move on, and she's got wonderful plans ahead, uh, so this too will be for good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Reverend Kathy McAdams, how are things going at your parish? Good morning. It's so nice to... Uh to be with you. I'm Kathy McAdams. I'm the priest at St. John's Episcopal Church and also the president of the Interfaith Council 
Our Episcopal bishops have asked us not to regather indoors until at least April 19th so that we can observe the effects of some relaxed standards in other settings and also to allow time for more people to be vaccinated. Most of the people I've spoken to um, have been vaccinated or plan to be once they're eligible, so I feel very hopeful about that. And even if we decide not to gather indoors at that time, it will soon be warm enough for us to gather outdoors as we did last summer. On Easter Day, we're going to have a drive-in worship experience broadcast to an FM station so that attendees can listen on their car radios. And this is thanks to a member of Rabbi Tom's congregation who's helping us with the sound. Um, Holy Week services will be remote by Zoom and Facebook including a joint Good Friday Stations of the Cross with uh, Franklin Federated Church and Franklin United Methodist Church. So that's what we're up to right now. Trying to process all of that, you are doing so many collaborative things. Uh, I think, number one, it's so great to hear of the uh, sharing of knowledge and information from Temple SAM to your parish to help facilitate the drive-in. That is great. And then... Stations of the Cross shared among three different parishes. That speaks to kind of what we're looking for. You said that you are the current um, president of the Interfaith Council, and this speaks to, I'm, I'm thinking this speaks to part of the mission of the Interfaith Council, some of these collaborative initiatives. See, yeah, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, in, in fact, um, Rabbi Tom and Reverend Eric probably haven't even seen my email yet from this morning, but um, we've we've been planning to do some tree planting around Earth Day, and um, I thought, why not invite everybody in the Interfaith Council? That's certainly something that we can do together. So I'm hoping that that, that will be a joint project as well. That sounds great. And everybody in town will benefit from trees planted so that is, that's a wonderful... The whole world will benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Reverend Eric Cherry, how are things going at the First Universalist? Hi, Pandora. Good morning, colleagues. Great to be with you today. On the, on the tree planting front, I was going to say that the big news at our campus is that the snow piles are finally melting. Uh, and so that means we might just be able to plant some trees with St. John's, which I, I think would be awesome. Uh, thanks for the invitation, Ka- Reverend Kathy. That, that sounds great. Things at our end are, uh, are, in, are in a pretty stable place. We um, have put together a formal plan for reopening the campus, but it won't be happening soon. Uh, basically, we uh, identified sort of the, the values that we're going to be applying in the reopening, things like safety and science and inclusion and justice and um, the importance of uh, community, um, along with some metrics around, you know, infection rates and positive test results and beds in the ICU and that sort of thing. And um, so we're going to be monitoring. And when those metrics hit the numbers that um, we have in mind, we'll at that point set a date probably six weeks later to um, have in-person, in-building activities taking place again. Um, and we can't wait. It just, it can't be soon enough, but it, it, it's going to be, it's still going to be a while. However, we, we also agreed that we would have at least one um, in-person, outdoor, and hybrid, so out, in-person and online um, gathering in June. That'll be the first time that we've gathered in person as a, a congregation. You know, at that point, it'll be what, oh, you know, almost um, a year and a half. And um, we'll be celebrating one of our special springtime traditions. It's a, a communion of flowers and um, very, very excited about that. And uh, I just want to note that um, uh, we're experimenting with something new uh, in the morning. So at 8.30 every morning on our Facebook page, we're on Facebook Live for a, um, a five-minute um, uh, spiritual uh, meditation. And um, recently that meditation has been uh, related to... Um, uh, the 12-step uh, program originally designed by Alcoholics Anonymous for people that are working on the 12 steps and for everybody else. 
Um, and uh, so if anyone's looking for a, a very brief chance for some spiritual focus around 8.30 every day, FUSF's uh, Facebook page is a, is a place to turn. You know, that is a good offer uh, to share with the community right now because we are in such a fluid time. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, if other people are experiencing this as, as we enter this new phase where people are becoming vaccinated. Uh, it's been very fluid. It's been a little confusing. Uh, some of the, as the different groups have changed, as the timeline has changed, uh, some people can easily access a appointments. Other people are very frustrated and having a hard time with it. Uh, Some people are fully vaccinated and beginning to move out into the world, and other people are really struggling with where they are. And I'm, I'm wondering how your congregations are helping one another within their, within their uh, church families and out in the larger world because we do see this within the community of Franklin. We're seeing it on Facebook pages where people are truly struggling. And we're just at the beginning of this. So I, I think there's some, some opportunities. And um, uh, Reverend Eric, I mean, are, are, are you, you mentioned you're looking at metrics, you're considering a hybrid. How are you supporting, how is one another within the congregation supporting um, everyone? Such a good question, and I don't want to pretend that we've come up with the secret sauce here. Um, but uh, we do offer, uh, and we continue to offer, uh, online gathering opportunities three or four times a week. Have a kind of a socially distanced hike every Saturday morning that um, has bet landed well for some people. Um, and I've just announced to the congregation that I'm almost 14 days past my second dose of Moderna. And so I'm prepared to and looking and very excited to be meeting in person with other vaccinated people in um, one-on-one or in small groups. Um, and I hope that we'll be able to do that kind of matching between uh, lay people who are, you know, 14 days beyond their um, vaccinations as well soon. Um, but I, at this point, this week. Uh, we're reminding people that it's still not safe, that uh, the, the the virus is still very real and very dangerous. We need to hold firm, steadfast with the, um, with the um, uh, cautions that we've been taking for a year. Um, and if we do that, we're going to emerge into a time of safety, uh, healthy and well. Um, so that's sort of where things are on our end. Um, Rabbi Tom or... or- or Reverend Kathy, do either of you are are either of you addressing that, Rabbi Tom? Well, um, let me just pick up on or uh, um, Eric's last point, which is that uh, yes, I think we're seeing the promised land, but we're not there yet, and we need to. And we have made clear to everyone that it's incredibly important that people um, uh, maintain social distancing, uh, wear their masks, you know follow guidelines to relax in places that are safe, but don't start assuming that you know everything. Be very thoughtful. I also, today is actually my 14th day out for my second vaccine, and I too am going to be uh, uh, offering similar kinds of uh, opportunities to uh, uh, what Reverend Eric said. Um, We are, uh, if people are looking to to get vaccines, uh, we're encouraging them to let us know, and if they are, and see if we can find someone to help them figure out. We've had at least and I had one congregant who was very frustrated, and uh, we had others who helped uh, that person uh, get to, to be able to, to get the vaccine. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that that will continue to happen. We're going to work on that. Combined Jewish Philanthropies of the Greater Boston is offering a, um, a um, Passover Seder for those who are uh, uh, in need and are, are you know, stuck at this point at home. And so uh, that's something our congregation is participating in as well and sent out a notice to people to say, if you want to just let, let them know and uh, you can register for that. And that, by the way, applies to anybody who's looking for a Passover Seder. So uh, uh, if they go to Combined Jewish Philanthropies, that's cjp.org, and look for Seder in a box, they will uh, find the link. And it's uh, 
good through March 12th is when they have to register, which is Friday. So uh, shortly after this program airs, they should start checking on that. That's good to know. That's a wonderful resource. And it does help us because we all have different constraints in our lives. And sometimes our friends or family or acquaintances might not be aware of that. So I'm, I'm glad you were able to share that information with us. Uh, Reverend Kathy, uh, has this been circulating it, it within your parish? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm concerned about creating a culture of haves and have-nots, those who have been vaccinated and those who haven't. Um, I've, I've got about five more days until I'm fully vaccinated, and, and I certainly am looking forward to being able to meet with people pastorally. But I also don't want to, um, you know, say you can come to this gathering if you're vaccinated because they're there are people who just haven't had the opportunity yet. They would love to be vaccinated. You know, in, in my own household, my mother and I uh, have been vaccinated, but my spouse hasn't, and she's going to have to wait until general population, you know. Um, so that, that means that we have to continue being very careful because even though we can't get it, that we may be able to transmit it. So, um, And I'm sure, you know, lots of people have mixed households like that where some are vaccinated and others aren't. So it's complicated. <laughs> it's very complicated. But yes, I, I do look forward to the, the opportunities that, that will come as more and more people are vaccinated. I'd like to bring Jay into, into this conversation because Jay, you are out through uh, very active in sports, very active in sports coverage and, and interacting with lots of uh, segments of the population. What, what do you see out there? So first of all, I, I thanks Pandora. I just listening to our uh, clergy folk here, our, our quote unquote talent. Um, it is, you know, we talked about what a beautiful day it is outside. The positivity and the things that are heading in the right direction are just so numerous right now. Um, you know, we just want to hope, as Reverend Kathy said, that some people don't jump the the gun and and get too far down the line. Unfortunately, you know, it, with some people, that's happening. They they just all of a sudden think, with the beautiful weather and everything, they may have they know people that have gotten a vaccine shot or they've gotten one. They just think everything's fine. I think it's still a time of a little bit of caution, but with, you know, just the future, we talked about it before we started the show that it seems like everything is getting better. And, and I think that's true. And I think all three folks have, have talked about that and, and expressed how that's also impacted each of their congregations. You know, no one's looking necessarily uh you know they're not in a week gonna go back to what we were a year ago i don't know if it's today or a year ago a couple of days ago we're almost at kind of the one year anniversary of everything kind of shutting down it's great to hear the tempered approach by everybody i i agree with you jay because we we still need to be careful and watchful because they uh so many have yet to be uh vaccinated. And yeah. I, I like the idea that within our congregations, as well as within our community of Franklin, that we do help uh, another person that is struggling because you, you, we, we never know exactly, you know, how hard it might be for someone else. What it what, what may be <laughs> yeah. easy for us could be hard for someone else. And the reverse is, is true. And it's, I think it's also a challenge you know, as Reverend Kathy said, inside a household, uh, you have some people, our household, my wife and I have uh, received our first shots. My daughter, the teacher, hasn't. And that adds another level of stress that none of us ever had to deal with or even think about a month ago. It It, it is something that, you know, it, it Reverend Eric brought up his morning uh, five minutes of, of meditation. What a great way to potentially deal with that. I think that's just, I, I think it's tremendous. It, it, yes, it may be a little bit, but it's something. It's a little bit more than what we had a week ago. And, and stuff like that, everybody looking out for everybody else. 
in my mind, and I think it's a big part of what this program attempts to do, is just awesome. And and we all try to do our little our little thing out there. Uh, it, it is funny, Pandora. You said that I'm out and about. I. I'm not sure all the parents in the sports community get it. Uh, I, I actually saw a guy Sunday who, quote unquote, had a mask on. He had a bandana rolled up about an inch thick covering his lips. And and I went over to him and I just asked if he was being held hostage uh, because it was the look you would see on TV in some kind of show or in a movie. I'm not sure he appreciated that, but hey, it made me feel better and I got a laugh out of it. Well, at least we're lucky in Franklin. We have a town common. We have yeah. a lot of sidewalks. We have Del Cart, the um, sculpture park out behind the high school off Panther Way. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities that are, uh, I mean, I can go into a litany of them, but yes. a lot of opportunities to be out to safely walk, to still see other people and to um, gradually kind of regain. So it, it seems like we have opportunities and uh, we're using them and congregations are supporting one another and uh, we're moving forward uh, cautiously and carefully, but in an awareness of the people with whom we live uh, mm. in our small communities and in our larger town of Franklin. To um, totally agree, Pandora, in it. It kind of opens up, you know, where it's the spring, things are getting positive, where we're approaching uh, some holidays for, for our three clergy people that are, you know, some of the most important holidays of the year. And it's great to have that little bit of positivity as we're heading into the different celebrations and the different traditions that each of these faiths undertake at this time of year, you know, Rabbi Tom, is it, are you seeing the, or is it helping you that the things just, I don't know if it's, we've made that corner or we're started. Maybe we have the directional on and are getting ready to turn that quarter. How is any of that impacted you folks as you prepare for your holidays coming up? So um, the answer is sure in all kinds of ways. I mean, Passover, as you said, is is really one of the two major times of the Jewish year. The other is the high holy days in the, uh, in the fall. And they're both seasonal. I mean, Passover marks the uh, end of the rainy season, the start of the dry season in the land of Israel, uh, just as uh, the fall holidays mark the reverse. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, as with all Jewish holidays, it, it, there's a component of it that's very connected to the natural world. Passover has to fall in the spring because of that. Um, but it's also, as with every Jewish holiday, connected to um, uh, a more abstract and spiritual concept, in this case, that of liberation, which is central to, to the Jewish perspective. I mean, Passover marks our freedom from Egypt and uh, sets a kind of uh, template for what history is to be. That is to say, a move from slavery to freedom, a move from degradation to dignity, and becomes what we need to strive for everywhere in the world. So in terms of this year, well, several things. First of all, we just finished our, our holiday of Purim, and uh, we did that one you know, online in our congregation, worked well. But uh, Passover is our first second. It's the first big holiday we've had where we did it online already last year. And so, you know, those of us who are thinking about how to make, we have a, individual families have their own seders, their own Passover celebration at home on the first night of Passover. And then we have a community seder in our congregation on the second night of Passover, which by the way is open to anybody. Uh, they just need to, to register and contact the temple. Um, but the, uh, so we did a, a community Seder last year, and now we're doing one this year. But, you know, we've all learned a whole bunch of things about how to do uh, online experiences. 
So, you know, we're trying to create an experience that will work better for people and help others as they're doing their own Seder planning. Passover is not principally a synagogue holiday. It's a home holiday. And normally this would be when people gather together from in many generations. I mean, a typical Passover Seder can, you know, if if you've got a big family, you might have 40 or 50 people around a big dinner table spread over, you know, as many rooms as you can spread them over in the house. Well, that's been hard to do this year. It was hard to do. It was impossible last year. And it's opening up a little bit this year, but it's still not going to be the same thing. So we have that level of creativity. On the other hand, um, as you point out, um, it is a spring holiday. It is a time of renewal and rebirth that is central to Passover, the sense that there is, you know, a, a chance to, to come out of the winter, uh, the uh, text that is read, that there's a, a section of the, I forget, it's too hard to explain what this is, but we read Song of Songs during Passover. And uh, that, you know, which is a love poem. It includes, you know, come, come my loved one, come away, you know, the, 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 it suggests that there is uh, love and growth and, and uh, newness in the world. And if there's ever a year that has felt real, it is this one. This will be, you know, a fascinating Passover where, as I said before, it's, uh, this is the holiday that gets us into the wilderness. Well, we're still in it, but we're starting to figure out how to navigate our way through. I, I love your, uh, the way you characterize it as the first second, uh, the first time, the first event that is being done for a second time under the current climate of conditions that we we uh, are under what it's a real neat way I think to look at it to to express how important it is but it's it's not new anymore it's something that we've been doing for a year I just I thought that was that was a great way to put it and trust me I will be stealing that shortly when we are done I'm going to go make up something to say to my wife uh, that I can include that in. Uh, Reverend Kathy, how about you folks? What Anything um, that you're doing differently? Again, having your, your first second um, is, how is that affecting you? And also, you know, for all three of you, how is it these events and your, your spring holidays, what do you do that's maybe similar with each other? Or is there stuff you do together? Or, or could do together? I'd just be curious about that as well. Sure. Um, I just remember a year ago, you know, we all thought this was only going to be a couple of weeks. And um, we had so much hope that we would be able to gather in person for Easter. And so obviously this is our second time of doing Holy Week and Easter differently. Holy Week and Easter are so central to the Christian calendar and the Christian story. Um, On Palm Sunday, Jesus enters Jerusalem to cheers and shouts of Hosanna. People have witnessed his healing miracles, and they've begun to recognize him as the awaited Messiah. But that also makes him a threat to the religious and political establishments, and they manage to change the attitude of the crowds. So uh, we hear their shouts during the week. We hear their shouts change from Hosanna to crucify him. But during that week, we also have Jesus preparing his disciples to go on without him. He mandates that they must love and serve one another, which he exemplifies in foot washing, and also to reenact the Passover meal in his memory, which we now call the Eucharist or Thanksgiving. And of course, by Good Friday, Jesus is crucified and dies. But that's not the end of the story, because God can overcome death. God can roll the stone away from the tomb. And the resurrection of Jesus gives Christians hope that God can overcome anything, be it political injustice, tremendous grief, physical pain, whatever it is that we're facing in our lives. It's also a sign for us as to how much God loves and forgives us. uh, Since Jesus asked for those who crucified him to be forgiven. And if God can forgive those who killed his son, then he can certainly forgive anything that we manage to screw up. 
And to your question about similarities, um, obviously, since Jesus was Jewish and lived in a Jewish context, we do see the Passover holiday figure prominently into the Christian story. And I think that many religions have some way of recognizing the change in seasons and celebrating new life in the spring. Despite the darkness, the cold and dormancy of winter, somehow life still manages to emerge from the frozen soil and overcome death. I think that's great. That That's great to hear it. Uh, Reverend Eric, what, what about uh, you folks as you plan going forward? Um, you know, how is, again, the, the, the first second, you, you've learned stuff over the year. Uh, you've learned different ways, what works, what doesn't work. How is that going to impact uh, how you address and, and celebrate the holidays this spring? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Jay. So I, I'll, oh, I'll let hey, me take part of, we, well, we, okay, we so. need to take our pause <laughs> and all realize that I, I had a that great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend uh, Eric, you're the best. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I'm going to take sort of a, a technical and then a, um, a, a more uh, spiritual approach to the answer. So I think um, in one way, we're, we, um, all of us, all of our congregations have gotten better at being able to celebrate online, you know, the sort of the, 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 the technical challenge related to that. And I think on, on the spiritual angle, we have all in our communities um, explored the depths in a new way because of the, uh, the plague and um, are bringing that experience to the second time around. Uh, and um, we can, we can embrace that, you know, that there has been work happening um, and there is the potential for growth, for spiritual growth coming through this spring, or at least that's what, um, that's what I'm going to hope for. Um, in, in the Unitarian Universalist tradition, the springtime is, um, is sort of a, uh, um, a, a, a time when we, try to embrace and acknowledge um, difference and uh, to respect the uniquenesses of um, religious traditions, uh, stories, messages uh, that are present in our lives and um, the, uh, the, the liberation message of Passover, the, um, the make good trouble in a John Lewis vein message of, uh, of, of Palm Sunday. Um, and the um, the the, uh, the rebirth resurrection uh, theme that uh, comes through on Easter uh, are all important parts of how we recognize um, um, as spirit in the spring. Um, and sort of traveling parallel with that is is sort of cultural um, uh, traditions. And you know, I, I think it's I think it's really nice to to be able to to be really pleased about uh, furry bunnies being born and uh, and uh, uh, chickens laying eggs and coloring those. Those cultural traditions are beautiful in their own way. Sometimes they point us back toward deeper spiritual truths. Um, and uh, so we wanna lift up all of that and do that very respectfully uh, to know origins of traditions and, um, uh, and to acknowledge uh, where these traditions come from as we, um, as we try to celebrate the spring. That that is, I think, some some great commentary, and I'd like to follow that up with: What do you think your um, congregation or or the community as a whole can use from what you go through with your holidays, the way you celebrate them, the traditions, to do things outside of the church, maybe in other groups or whatever, to to try to enhance uh what is going you know better the world i i, I think I, I like the idea of bettering the world but it can be very overwhelming when you say to someone you need to better the world well that's a pretty big task so maybe you can do something here what what i and i'd throw this out to all three of you what anything from the spring in the way you celebrate your holidays allow your your congregants to do that well i'll just get us started jay and and say that um that i think all of our congregations 
kind of keep that message as a part of how we celebrate these traditions that uh, we're, we're not just looking back, uh, we're preparing ourselves for um, the work ahead, for, for coming forward. And this is a very special year for that because the emergence uh, after spring is very literal. Uh, like the stone mm. is actually rolling away from the entrance of the, of the tomb this year uh, for many of us. Um, and, uh, and that is a really special opportunity. I think um, Kathy's, uh, Reverend Kathy's invitation to, uh, to be in community for, um, for climate justice on Earth Day is exactly the kind of tack that we can take. And there will be many more uh, similar opportunities mm. um, along the way. Um, part of our Earth Day um, celebrations at FUSF include the, um, the executive director of Massachusetts Interfaith Power and Light. That's a group that helps all of the interfaith community throughout Massachusetts get their carbon footprints um, lowered. Uh, coming to talk with us about how we're doing at FUSF and how our families can make a difference there. Um, that organization is available to all of us. I bet many of our congregations already have connections to it. And we can do that together too, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, that, I, I, that just, it, it, it amazes me each month when we get together and we all talk. The depth of what all three of you uh, do as your own separate congregation and the, what you do as, a, as an interfaith council, it is, for people that aren't active necessarily, uh, there's just so much to do. And, and I don't think you realize people just think, well, I need to go to church. You know, it's a one day a, a week thing. It's so much, so much more. Reverend Kathy, uh, I, I know you guys are very involved in the Earth Day and all that. What, is there anything else? Is that your primary focus? Well, I mean, just in thinking about the, the lesson from Holy Week and Easter, especially Easter, I, I think that hope is essential. Um, having hope that we can work with God and with each other to improve our worlds and holding on to hope for others who may have given up and also to strive to forgive as God forgives, um, to forgive others and to forgive ourselves. I, I think those, that that's important spiritual work for all of us. And yes, we are planting trees on Earth Day. We hope that uh, folks from other congregations will join us for that. And I just want to give a plug for Project Envoy. We, did, we talked about that last month, but um, this is where uh, restaurants are donating a portion of their profits on particular days to benefit the Franklin Food Pantry. And the last I heard, they had already donated over $1,800. And I, I think that it's probably been more since then. So that's, mm -hmm. that's enormous. And um, just go to the Franklin Food Pantry website to see the calendar of which restaurants to go to on which days. Uh, that's that's great. It, it, I, I remember talking to the people at the uh, food pantry that they, every donation that they get, they appreciate but the dollar donation versus a box of food is, is in a lot of respects, much more powerful because they've got a buying power that you may be able to box buy this box for a dollar. They can buy it for 10 cents. So they can get 10 of those boxes. I, I'm so glad you brought that uh, up, Reverend Kathy. Thank you. Rabbi Tom, how about uh, you and your uh, congregation? Okay, so first of all, I just want to pick up on something that Reverend Eric said earlier, because uh, I, I think it's important where he talked about celebrating differences. You know, people frequently will say to me something like, well, really aren't all religions the same? And the answer is yes and no. That is to say, yes, there are common messages, and we've talked about them, the renewal and rebirth in the spring. Uh, a sense of, uh, of justice, a sense of the need to, to, to repair the world. These are, are common. And yet each of our various traditions, various places speaks in our own language. And it would be a, a shame if that all got kind of sanded down. It is the differences uh, 
uh, in our way of expressing them that allow for uh, this wonderful tapestry that we have. So with that long preface, let me talk for a minute about uh, Passover in our congregation a little bit. A couple of core messages on Passover. One is that at the, the Seder, each person is to imagine as if they themselves were leaving Egypt right then. So what's the experience of coming from slavery to freedom? And once you have that experience, how do you bring it out? And related to that is the um, invitation at the beginning of the Seder, let all who are hungry come and eat. So I'm going to talk about something involving hunger. You know, in Massachusetts, as progressive a state as we are, our, the hunger in Massachusetts is very high. Na you know, uh, uh, on a per capita basis, it's high nationwide uh, for several reasons. And we need to do something about that. My congregation has recently signed on to a program uh, that was initiated by Project Bread called Feeding the Kids. And it is uh, an effort to uh, support legislation that would make school meals free to all students without any level of means testing, without any level of checking to see if they're, you know, if they are in such and such category. It just be, would be provided. It, uh, in the same way that having their school desks and being able to get into the library are provided. It is, it's, it's now essentially part of uh, what a school day is. We're back in person, as which is going to be very soon. So um, I would hope that that would be a way of saying, let all who are hungry come and eat. Let there be no uh, barriers, no uh, sense of, uh, of uh, uh, stigma to getting uh, your food. It's just what everybody does. And by the way, I'm pleased to say that uh, uh, Representative uh, Jeff Roy has signed on as a co-sponsor, and I'm hoping that our uh, that this will pass the House and the Senate uh, in the legislature this session. Well, Representative Roy is a great person to have in your corner. He, he uh, in a very quiet, not... Uh, overbearing way. Uh, Jeff gets so much work done. I don't think people realize how much he, he does for the area uh, because he's not one of those politicians that go around and uh, toot their own horn. He, he, he's almost very much the anti-politician, the way he, he carries himself. But uh, thank you for, I think that feeding the kids that you, as you were saying that, we've talked about in the past that if there's, you know, that's one of the things that maybe has come out of what we've been dealing with for the last year is the challenge. So many kids in so many communities, including Franklin, not just, it's not just in the cities of Boston and Worcester and Providence. It's in communities like Franklin, uh, the challenge, uh, Kids and young adults have getting meals on a daily basis and families supplying those meals. I, th I think that is as great as my question was earlier from our lead talent uh, today, uh, Rabbi. I think that was a great, great point. Uh, Pandora? I would just say with the hunger, uh, we've had a great response within Franklin during these past 12 months. You know, the YMCA has stepped up and, mm -hmm. and they have a huge food distribution. The uh, schools have continued uh, distributing food school days and with a, a weekend backpack so that there is mm. food over the weekends. The food pantry has increased uh, their service to the community, making it easy, keeping the social distance. Uh, it wasn't difficult before, but they've made it even even easier. And some of our restaurants, we've talked about through Project um, Envoy, that uh, restaurants have been suffering. We have restaurants that have been giving so generously to those in need who need food, no questions asked, you come in and you're given a boxed meal. And I, there is a lot to learn from this. And as, as uh, Rabbi uh, Tom brought to our attention, and, and when I 
first learned this, I, I was surprised that the hunger was of such uh, extent in our state where we talk about being the location of the, you know, some of the greatest knowledge through our universities and institutions of higher education, through our wonderful medical care uh, that we have available to us. So this new knowledge and working and realizing each one of us to look at this and, and it, it, uh, look at hunger and it comes through our congregations too. And, and it gives us another thing to work together collaboratively. And that's what Project Envoy does through the Interfaith Council. It's all different uh, congregations uh, coming together, supporting that initiative. Um, the leaders are from the first universalists, but all of us are on the team. And um, we, uh, we kind of describe ourselves as small but mighty. And, I, I, uh, Pandora, just to add to what you're saying, and I, I, I'm sure people realize it, but the, the Project Envoy and what the restaurants are doing in terms of donating a percentage of the sales or whatever that means, I think people need to realize that the restaurant business is one of the most highly impacted businesses that has had to deal with everything from the last year. A lot of them have had to close or closed temporarily and to see them struggle, but then in turn, they're the first ones in line to help donate or, or create an atmosphere. I, I think that that is something that can get lost on people but shouldn't, uh, just to echo what you're saying. So thank you for letting me say that. That's a great point by you to bring it up. Uh, so we each have one greatness uh, in today's show. I think we should note that whatever the restaurant donates, it's a private donation. They donate what they feel they can donate. There mm. is no, and they donate directly to the food pantry. And, uh, I think that that is important because everything that they do is so generous. Mm. Um, as you you noted, they are they are struggling in our town, and we we see it within our town of Franklin, and it's been um, a ongoing feature in the Boston Globe about supporting uh, takeout. So there is it it is across the Commonwealth. Mm. Yeah, it, it is it, it is amazing to see what and not just the restaurant business there are so many businesses individuals that have struggled over the last year but they uh seem to be doing more than what they did prior because the community needs more from uh the people out there uh we're gonna uh kind of bring this full circle uh and get back to rabbi tom uh, who's going to kind of lead us in a little spiritual focus here and, and bring us on home. Rabbi? As we uh, move into uh, the spring holidays that we have been talking about, um, I want to share with you a poem um, about moving from winter into spring, about moving from this world of COVID into the possibility of a world where we can start to, to be ourselves together again. Um, and uh, the, the Passover Seder is conducted with a book called the Haggadah, the word means the story. And uh, it's said uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes that of uh, the making of books, there is no end. This is especially true of Haggadahs. There are always new ones coming out. There are, you know, all kinds of levels of creativity. Um, my own movement of Judaism, the Reform Movement, has just come out with a new one, which is uh, full of poetry. And I'm going to share this poem uh, by that uh, some of you may have heard before by uh, Ada or Ada Limon. Uh, it's called Instructions on Not Giving Up. More than the fuchsia funnels breaking out of the crabapple tree, more than the neighbor's almost obscene display of cherry limbs showing their cotton candy-colored blossoms to the slate sky of spring rains, it's the greening of the trees that really gets to me. 
when all the shock of white and taffy, the world's baubles and trinkets leave the pavement strewn with the confetti of aftermath, the leaves come, patient, plodding, a green skin growing over whatever winter did to us, a return to the strange idea of continuous living despite the mess of us, the hurt, the empty, Fine, then, I'll take it, the tree seems to say, a new slick leaf unfurling like a fist to an open palm. I'll take it all. May we take all that we have learned and bring it forward with the life that springtime presents to us. That, that was great, Rabbi Tom. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and and i can't think of a better way to end this month's show we want to thank uh, pete fasciano and keith palmari who are our technical people and spend plenty of time prior to us recording trying to get us to turn our microphones on uh so thank you for your patience on that uh and most importantly our talent uh rabbi tom Reverend Kathy and Reverend Eric, it is tremendous to be able to spend a little bit of time with such amazing talent every month. So we will continue to do this. And of course, the driving force behind all this, Dr. Pandora Carlucci, who came up with this idea a year ago and uh, has, has really taken it home. I thank all of you for allowing me to just participate a little bit in it. it it is well worth everybody's time hope people enjoy it and we will talk to you next month